present day. Present time. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals. Uh, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Alec. This is Blixa. Hey, and it's Ben. And we are today bringing you two more episodes of Serial Experiments Lane. I think we're doing four and five today. Layers. Layers. Uh, layers. Right. There are no episodes. <laughs> Get it through my skull by the end of the series. But we have uh, a new guest, uh, someone who's got a good start on YouTube and has already covered the series on YouTube. Please welcome Queer Jump. Hi. I'm really happy to be on the podcast. It's my first time doing anything like this. And I'm pretty excited to talk about Lane. Thanks for coming out. So I, I have not watched your Lane coverage because I'm trying to, you know, stay spoiler free. But Blixa has told me that it's pretty cool, pretty comprehensive. So can I ask, like, what kind of experience do you have with Lane already? Have you known about it for years? Did you just find it? What's up with it? Yeah, I came across it as a kid. My uh, aunt had a habit of just buying anime because she thought it was for children and just gave it to us. And so I came across it at a really oh young age. Yeah, exactly. I like watched it for the first time at like six or eight years old. That was totally traumatized. Fuck? Yeah, no, I had no idea what was going on but just the general mood and aesthetic was such a vibe for me. Like I had no idea what was happening, but just I, I really liked the vibe and the soundtrack and the the dark imagery and the loneliness, right? And so Whoa. I just, you know, I have autism, so I tend to get kind of obsessed or fixated on things. And so I just, over the course of my life, I'm 29 now, I've seen this series like over 70 times. I just rewatch it like maybe once every year when I feel like being depressed, so. <laughs> <laughs> It's good depression fuel. Yeah. That this then this would have to be like one of the first anime you've seen. Yeah, I definitely got started on the Weebage pretty early because of Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, mm -hmm. Toonami, right? I had a lot of I watched a lot of te television as a kid, so I had a lot of like Inuyasha and stuff growing up, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was a good time growing up on television. Yeah. And I guess like beyond the just the general aesthetics, do you think there's a reason why like this series in particular really kind of stuck with you or? Um, having seen it so many times in comparison to so many other series, I would say that it is definitely like more intellectual than a lot of other series. It's rare to find an anime that is like marketed towards an older, older audience mm -hmm. that like takes its audience like intellectually seriously, right? It's like, there's not, there's no etchy in it, mm -hmm. right? It's It's very like, complicated and deep and the art style is really interesting and one of the things that i find so fascinating that i come back to in the youtube video all the time is how this the show was made in the 90s which was before the internet was even really a fully established concept and so many of the predictions about like what they thought society might be like from this theoretical vantage point really mm -hmm. did end up coming true and so I even think there are certain things that haven't come to pass yet that have been predicted by this that are totally in the like technological sequence of things. So it's, I just think it was really brilliantly written. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. absolutely. And it's, it's, it's kind of a good topic leading into these episodes. You know, every, uh, every event has a prophecy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. mm. is, that an, is that an actual saying? Well, comes up in the show in these episodes because I was just rewatching them. Yeah, mm. for sure. Uh, anything else we want to go over or any more questions we want to ask our guests before uh, I do the last time on? Well, I know that we have an obligation to go through these shows and discuss it, but I would so much like just to talk about watching Serial Experiments Lane as a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 
we could do an amazing show just on that topic. <laughs> it was definitely interesting for sure. <laughs> could we do just a little around Robin on that then? Like anyone else seen something amazing that you were probably too young? Like mine's a softball. Like there's a movie called Paris, Texas with Harry Dean Stanton. And like in the early days of cable, like that's what was being shown on repeat. So as a child, I saw that movie like a dozen times. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah, it's just like this middle America depression movie. Very intense. <laughs> it reminded me of another story, you know, in the same tradition of them putting on animated shows, just thinking they were for children, having no idea what they were. I don't even know what this one is called, but I was, I was, you know, eight still, maybe younger even. And they just put on this anime. I have no idea what it was, but it was about cannibals. And I had never, <laughs> yeah, I had never been like introduced to the concept of cannibalism, you know, as like a six or eight year old. And so they just, all the adults leave. And as they leave, there's just this vivid, like horror scene of just this guy eating someone in a garage. And oh I was God. just terrified. I literally, I didn't even go to school the next day because I was crying so hard. I was like, mom, I'm going to get eaten yeah. by cannibals. You know, like, <laughs> so I, got, I got out of school for that trauma. That was cool. Wow. I really want to know what anime that was now. I have like intentionally not looked like I don't even <laughs> want to, I remember the scene and I'm just like, no, thank you. Ever made that needs to be like arrested. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alex or Ben? Uh, when I was like six ish, I uh -huh. watched most of Candyman while my parents thought I wasn't watching. <laughs> yeah. uh, Goodness, that gracious. was a mistake. I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't watch a movie with Tony Todd for years. Oh, that's sad. Which he's one of my favorite actors. He's a great guy. He's very cool. I have, I have a semi-anime related one, which is the manga Barefoot Gen. <gasps> for some reason, I got from yeah. my parents, which is a little bit like if you've seen. Grave of the Fireflies is like oh, that oh, in World geez. War II, but it's just like, I don't know, very brutal. Like, uh, it's basically, a, I forget if it's Hiroshima or Nagasaki, but one of the places the atom drop is, bomb is dropped and like people with melting skin and stuff like that. Oh, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, it definitely huh. sounds traumatizing. I, I had the, I had the manga. It was intense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. We're all thoroughly traumatized. Let's <laughs> yeah, uh, I love it. Good icebreaker. <laughs> right. God. It's your pastor training coming back to you. Oh shit. Oh well. <laughs> All right. We got a last time on. Last time on the Lane Churian candidate. We got our first look at Club Siberia, known for its gas masks and the highest rate of gun violence in Japan. Our soon-to-be violence doer learned that no one takes drugs anymore, instead, opting for nanomachines that encourage our bodies to make their own drugs. Lane was told about her lookalike, who had been making a big splash in the weird, wet wire. Lane's hallucinations kept pace with her technological advancement, receiving a brand new Navi and some attention from her father to set it up. Dwelling in thoughts of the recent suicides, Lane's depressive streak continued, and it would have gone on unabated if not for an invitation from her meddling friends. Our nanomachine guzzling barfly returned, but something in Lane's tone of voice brought about another suicide. The police took everyone left at the club in for questioning, but Lane was released in the middle of the night to a strangely empty home. A car parked across the street eyed her with laser precision as she walked to school in the morning, and the two men in black inside the car would later question and creep out Lane's sister Mika. With Lane's existence becoming more terminally online, Alice and her check-ins acted as a healthier physical reality check. Another trip to Siberia got Lane recognized, and she struck up a query with some tween hackers. 
The Psyche chip in her possession is described as a drug for computers. That turned out to be the magic phrase for Lane to skedaddle home to change personalities and install the chip herself. Are the men in black observers or enforcers? Will Alice's friendship be enough to keep one of Lane's feet in this world? Do all computers take voice authentication? Let's find out. All right. Thank you. All right. And if we all have the video pulled up. Okay. All right. Three, two, one, play. I love that the pronunciations for those mm -hmm. aren't quite right. It says like religion. <laughs> yeah, I found yeah. other text-to-speech apparently. Like it's a mm -hmm. specific voice. It's awesome. Yeah. I think it's that early Mac one. Remember there's that oh. program you can oh, yeah. read stuff like the Fred voice and the... So we need to have a discussion. Oh my gosh, do we? We have to talk about Lane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant about Faye's childhood. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. Um, it? So, so I guess this episode starts, we, we have one of those other things where there's kind of just this voice at the beginning, right? I don't need parents. Humans are alone. They're connected to no one. No one at all. No. This is coming an episode after, you know, she came back from the police station and her parents weren't there and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's sort of this question of, um, you know, she says humans are all inherently alone and disconnected, which again, that that's like the opposite of what she said to that guy with the gun in the club. Mm hmm. Right. She said well, everybody is connected. connected. And I think a big theme of this show and, and maybe this episode is sort of like, you know, are we connected to each other? Are we alone? And, you know, does technology make us more connected or does it make us more alone? And I think we sort of see that in this episode, right? Like we've seen Lane kind of open up. She can participate in the conversation with these things that she learned on the Internet. Uh, but then also when she's out hanging out with her friends, she like leaves them to go home and like sit alone in her room on the on the computer. Yeah. Well, without discussing spoilers, I, I definitely think Lane is experiencing a bit of issues with finding her identity. And then one of the things that's kind of prevalent in this show is kind of like almost like a multiple personality disorder type deal mm -hmm. where like. You know, she has very different personalities throughout different episodes, throughout different moments, right? When she's glowing, when she's in the club, when she's in a room talking to her dad, when she's out with her friends. Uh -huh. And these these contradicting messages about connection slash disconnection. It's interesting because as you brought it up, something I thought of and, you know, I'm going to avoid spoiling anything. I think that that's almost what she was talking to her dad about, you know, in the sense of breaking down the boundary between the wired and reality. I think she is craving that connection and, and not quite feeling like the medium for it exists. Hmm. Like there almost seems to be something in Lane calling her to create that medium, hmm. to, to, to destroy that boundary between reality and the wired so that everyone can be connected. To be the change she wants to hear, see in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so help me piece this together like lane is different now was was the catalyst that processor that she found and installed yeah so something that's really easy to miss you know is is the fact that lane has already had quite a lot of influence placed upon her by the knights 
right? Like not only did she receive this insanely powerful godly processor from like an unknown source for free, mm-hmm. but she is just browsing internet strangers at, you know, and, and accepting advice and talking to people, you know, with, with absolutely no idea who these people are. Mm-hmm. Some things that are easy to miss, right? We've got all these games that are colliding together and we have Lane kind of investigate on all of it and talking to everyone about it, right? You know, and these games are being downloaded on illegal servers, right? They're not like normally store-bought games, right? And so Lane is investigating what's going on with these rumors, right? The rumors being that there's something strange going on with these games, right? And that these games are related to these events that we're seeing with this tag thing going on with the shooting thing going on. She's trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Now she's investigating all of this, right? The knights are the ones messing with everything. And they're kind Mm -hmm. of leading Lane down this breadcrumb trail, if you will. Mm -hmm. So so at this point in our story, I think we briefly heard about the knights when she got the... um... I, we, we've been calling it the psyche processor. I think you pronounce mm. it the way they do in the episode, the like pishuke. Uh, yeah, that's supposed yeah, to be the yeah. same word? The pishuke, yeah, it's supposed to be psyche. That's that's psyche pronounced by a computer system. I made fun of the pishuke. voice actors okay. in, my, in my YouTube video and someone came in and corrected <laughs> me and they're like, no, that's a text-to-speech. Well, but I, I, think the, I think the Japanese voice actors say it like that too. It's kind of funny. <laughs> But but so I think we briefly heard in the previous episode that there's a rumor that they produced that processor somehow in like Taiwan or something like that. And then I think in one of the montages in these episodes, I forget which one it was. They uh, I guess it's the one we just watched. You know, it's this thing like are are the knights even real or you know are they sort of like this more like metaphysical thing? Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll hear more about them as we go through the series. Uh, one of the things about the psyche processor that's fun is it's a very literal, like symbolic message, right? Like psyche, right? It's supposed to be like an element of our mental consciousness, right? The psyche processor almost allows you to insert your psyche into the internet. Mm. You know, in, in terms of like lane changing so quickly, I'm not completely sure. And I'm not saying I know the answers, but I will say like the last few episodes we have seen her just like, She's been sitting in her room, like mm-hmm. doing nothing. Yeah. And now whenever we see her, she's like working on her computer. So it could be too, you know, she's just like this person that really like didn't have any hobbies, didn't have any passions. She was just sort of like wasting her time. And now she finally has this thing that she's like interested in and like doing stuff and like, you know, yeah, it's sort of weird, but like, I don't know, like it's, it seems like in some way she's like thriving. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, her talent in this area is mind-blowing, you know what I mean? Even her dad, yeah. who is like, you know, you, you see him in the episode, in the first episode, he's got like how many screens, how mm-hmm. much going on. He buys Lane her first computer system, and it's like a top-of-the-line mm-hmm. system. In this episode, they're having conversations, and she's trying to school him, right? And yeah, it's only yeah. been like a single episode. <laughs> I, I'm sure it is thrilling to be so talented at something, you know? And definitely yeah. to be talking to people. Obsession isn't really healthy, but it can take the place of depression in someone's life. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So are we to assume like Lane's been able to do some finagling online and that's how she's been acquiring new hardware? 
boxes of hardware yeah. like where did this stuff come out it looked like she had i don't know if there were low those are just like parallel cpus running or servers or something but stacked to the ceiling in her room yeah yeah like her dad had three monitors and she had him beat yeah oh yeah yeah i think that would have something to do with the friends that she's making online mm -hmm. you know the same the same people that are giving her processors that are like like military grade science lab level right <laughs> yeah. like someone yeah. obviously has an interest in facilitating her development of skill right like yeah. they are definitely trying to make it so the limitation is not like knowledge, right? Not hardware or equipment. Huh, so maybe this is like Neon Genesis cause she's being like groomed like Shinji was. I mean, her her grooming is a lot more empowering, you know, it's not yeah. as like psychologically debilitating, but, but, but yeah. it's interesting. I like the word you, that you use there because one of the things I kind of realized upon rewatching it, and I don't, I don't think it's getting into swear, is that conversation with the dad and Lane, right? Mm -hmm. Having rewatched that so many times, it almost feels like he was kind of trying to push back against the grooming. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like he was kind of trying to be a father in that moment and be like, hey, as your father, this is what I think. Right. And she was just like, I'm groomed. Nope, you're wrong. Yeah. And that, that's the conversation where he's kind of like warning her about the Internet and how it's not real life, you're saying, or yeah, kind of almost yeah. like a conversation a dad would have with their child just warning her. Hey, be careful about the strangers you're talking to online and what they're telling you about yeah. life and about the world and why are they giving you free things, right? Just things that a, a kid might not know to be suspicious of, right? You know, there, mm -hmm. there might be nefarious reasons why someone might do that on the internet, why they might give a child a bunch of free things or be mm -hmm. talking to them every day about their personal life and you know, the, these things are, are normal for a parent to be concerned about, right? Yeah. God. Wait, so th this came out in 98. Yeah. I remember, was it AOL chat groups? Oh, yeah. I remember being in that shit. And like, I think I was probably talking to some like old fucking creepy dudes. I was, I did that too. <laughs> yep. 100%. <laughs> God, that's fucked up. Yeah, this is about the era of like Quake 1, maybe. This uh -huh. is sort of like when you'd like connect to a server and type like connect dot one nine two dot whatever like whatever you had to like find these online lists of servers and then kind of do it manually and wow. it's maybe like battle net and some stuff like that that made it easy it just started around then yeah god that's so weird uh speaking of which that's a good lead-in uh to the the scene on the roof because there's games going on and mm -hmm. it even does not look dissimilar from like quake or doom or a game of that style yeah. um or that era but one quick question like and i think we all uh, uh remarked on it her sister mika mm. sneaks some soda or maybe it's alcohol or something just like drinks from the bottle at the refrigerator is is it just because it's a really strict household like or is that like a no-no you do not do that in japanese culture I think yeah. that is maybe trying to illustrate her carefree personality, right? Like she's kind of, kind of the contrast between her and Lane, right? I, I kind of how maybe human that is. Huh. Yeah, that was my observation. That's what I thought. Um, okay. So I do have a question just for Alex, since Alex, you haven't seen ahead. Correct. What do you What do you make of these parents? Ah! It was a very robotic scene. There. They're concerned, but they're not concerned enough. Hundred percent. And then like they do this weird, like the mom touches his hair, which seemed kind of genuine. And then the dad like pulled her into the side and it, I don't know if it seemed performative or mm. just strange. Yeah. And I was like, who are they performing for? Well, 
we're the audience and like lane and us the boundary Mm. between us and lane is breaking down so like you know people are going to start performing for us as they would perform if lane was in front of them so Mm. when you were watching that you just thought wow those are weird people yeah I like the performative thing, though. That was very interesting. I think that was a good catch. Sorry, Ben, did I catch you off? Did you have something? Uh, I was going to say, I guess with the uh, sister, like she gives this smirk, like she's like pulling one over on something. Like, <laughs> like she is sort of like being bad or something like that. And yeah. and so I wonder, because we've had these like earlier scenes and actually we'll, I think it's sort of foreshadowing something that we'll see at the beginning of the next episode. But we've seen these scenes of, you know, kind of like young people at clubs, like making out and, you know, this sort of like, I don't know, moral degeneracy or something like that. And I think this is like a mini version of that with this sister. I don't know that she's sort of like a bad teenager. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I do hear you there. I think there's a lot of people growing up fast in the series. Like you got kids in the club. Right. Like, and even the way that like when, when the experience of Lane talking to her dad, it definitely felt kind of like, you know, he he was like talking to an internet troll almost. It's kind of like, (laughs) right. It's, it's kind of like they grow up so fast. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this is sort of like Lane would be in that like Mark Zuckerberg generation of like early kids on the internet who do just like grasp this stuff faster than their parents do and just like learn it. Yeah. Very quickly and naturally Uh, where like, you know, there wasn't a generation before them that had like grown up with this stuff. That's actually really fascinating. Because you're like designing it as you learn it. Whereas someone like Lane, she can be immersed in it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we have two more uh, big ticket items. Yeah. There was two kind of, I don't know if you want to call it paranormal things. So there was the creepy kid who was stalking the adult. Yeah. And then uh, we see her in real life. And presumably that kid was playing one of these children's games like tag. Because mm-hmm. doesn't she say like, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It's like you're yeah. it. Yeah. And that's where that bleed over happens, right? Yep. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And then the other really weird thing was that like, telekinetic power lane has at the end mm. when she blows up the dude's headset or whatever Go away! yeah we're just talking to dj in the middle of the club like as if she's like standing at the bar yeah so we still have this thing about you know this other lane out there that this guy at the club seems to know that's an adult and now she's like talking to him but you know this time around it seems more like yeah lane in her room is somehow talking to this guy at the bar and asking him about the game One more thing on the game, maybe before we get to the next episode, and we can sort of discuss this episode further when we get to the next one, maybe. But I'd just say, like, in the past episodes, we had that shooter in the club Siberia, um, and I would just think about maybe the way that guy was acting compared to these people we've seen freak out in this episode. Yeah. And, you know, are those things somehow connected you know we know he was on that drug but was he also like wrapped up in one of these games and um we we get a little bit of a hint that the person we saw in the apartment building when they get to school the next day they say that someone nearby has jumped off of you know a building at this like apartment building nearby so two we've we've had all this stuff about suicides and maybe like are those suicides we've heard out heard about somehow connected to these games and these things going on in on the internet or in the wired yeah, I hadn't made that connection between the someone had gone off a roof and the terrified guy on the roof that saw the girl. I definitely think there is a lot of trolling going on. And I think that 
it's it's very interesting because like try not to spoil anything but i think that like one of the favorite activities kind of of online trolls in this fictional universe is kind of psychologically fucking with people mm. you know and so yeah i definitely i i actually never noticed that until right now but definitely in the club in that first sequence i think all of these like hallucinatic sequences there is kind of this intentional effort being put to kind of mentally destabilize people into doing fucked up shit you know like these people are being kind of mentally tormented yeah and I guess now you think about like, you know, cyberbullying and like people being mm. radicalized on internet forums to do mass shootings and stuff. And it's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, obviously this is sort of like this more fantastical heightened version of that. But I do think it's one of the ways maybe it's sort of like prescient about, I don't know, the way the internet ends up affecting the the real world. Yeah. Uh, and, and without, well, I think we'll talk about this more, but you know, I, I constantly equivalent the nights with like 4chan and anonymous. And I think that they are mm. definitely talking a lot about in this series, the inception of the troll and kind of how internet communities would be like influencing the development of like people. Yeah. And it also kind of rhymes with the satanic panic and the D and D what do you call it? Like demonization? Because mm. one of the arguments was like, kids are spending so much time playing Dungeons and Dragons that they're losing their grip on reality. Wow. And then they're killing their friends in real life. And you're like, that did not happen. But this is like that actually happening. Yeah. With the internet instead of D&D. Interesting. Very interesting tie-in. Yeah. Oh, can we briefly address the Lane has psychic powers now? <laughs> the window. Yeah. Yeah. So we've already seen her being able to do crazy stuff. <clears throat> like uh-huh. she triggered the killer during the last episode. And then like her phantom image is like observing things in the... No, 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 no. Yeah. It's like astral projecting, right? But, but it was... <clears throat> was that the real world or was it the game? I think it was a bit of both. I think that's what she's investigating. That's the shit. Okay. okay. And I almost wonder, re-watching it, that one of the interesting things is I almost wonder if her attempts to investigate it might have been making the whole like real world internet situation a teensy bit worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, she wasn't exactly helping walking down the hallways mysteriously. Wasn't exactly like <laughs> just a little bit of um historical context. I was looking up because you had mentioned 4chan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that the predecessor to that, I think, is this like Futoba channel or 2chan are these two things in Japan. And uh ah. the first one of those that launched was 1999. Um, So it is after this, but, you know, maybe around the time when those sorts of anonymous message boards were kind of like becoming popular. Yeah, no, that's what I was talking about. This show made some weird, creepy predictions for a show that like really had nothing to reference. Like, I think when this show was made, they were like, what is it, AOL dial-up, right? Like when you're still logging into shit with that fucking Mm -hmm. screen and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. I, I didn't put it together till now that it could be referencing things, but the um, agents or whatever they are that have the eyepieces mm. on, mm-hmm. that looks like the way these things called gargoyles are described in Snow Crash, which mm. are people who are terminally online mm. to the point where they get like cybernetic augmentations where they have cameras always on. Mm. And they usually work as journalists, essentially. Mm-hmm. But they're like, they're a dangerous journalist to be around because they're always recording. It was doing a little more Googling and it looks like there's this thing called Ayashi world, which I think would literally be like suspicious world or mm. mysterious <laughs> world or something like that. That was like a 1996 yeah. kind of predecessor to these like channel sites 
websites. Um, and one of its things was like, uh, like it was like a lot of sort of like geek otaku type topics. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess like a lot of the internet, early internet was stuff that, you know, was of interest to, you know, nerds because nerds were the only people that could get on it to access stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that might be the the sort of internet that, that Lane is inhabiting where it's like a lot of tech people like her dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also know in Linux, I don't know when this became like a thing, but I know that for people that are really into that, there's this things called like hex chat. And so like for everyone on the operating system, you just can communicate with them. And it's like a weird, the operating system itself is not like a marketable one that's sold by a company, right? Like you kind of have to code it yourself. So it's this place where people can ask other coders like, hey, how do I make my computer function? Mm -hmm. Which is a lot about what Lane is doing right now. Fascinating. Well, the very hardware oriented. She's like an electrical engineer practically also. I mean, it's like, well, she's, she's going crazy. Yeah. So I was um just one aesthetic observation. I really liked the feel of this show, like this episode especially. Like it already is a weird genre. Like it's paranormal, but it's mm. sci-fi. It's, it's a neat intersection. And we do see that in modern anime too, but I went and looked up what was like the big stuff in 98. And it was like, it was really, really big anime, you know, uh, Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, Cardcaptor Sakura, Blue Seed, mm. stuff like that. And it's like, like those are great shows, but they're, mm, this feels different. <laughs> Very much so. Much more experimental. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like surrealistic. Mm-hmm. There we go. Should we jump to episode five? Mm-hmm. I'm already queued up. We're good. Right, we're good to go. Um, three, two, one, play. Yeah. Okay. Very alien shots for sure. This show just took a turn. <laughs> how, how would you describe that turn, Alex? I don't know. I just feel like, except Lane, because she's the titular character, nobody's safe. Ah. I don't know if she had her hair like that before, but I didn't notice until this episode that the sister has an opposite long bang to uh, Lane. So maybe she's going to be like some sort of counterpoint through the series. She's not online. She's very much in the culture doing physical things with her friends. But now, like, she's not safe. Something either just like took her over or... I think she's dead now. I think she's already dead. <laughs> well, her physical body has has been taken. So that means that her, her consciousness or something is somewhere in the wired now. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> These two episodes definitely took it in a much more horror direction. All right, yeah. c- can, I, can I ask the first question? Yeah. The last episode was called Religion and I didn't understand why. And in this episode, it starts out with like, the voiceover introducing themselves as God. The wired is the way. But tell me who you are. I'm God. And then we have these sort of like shamanistic things of Lane talking to these voices and... Mm-hmm. And then fulfill the prophecy over and over and again. And what Ben brought up earlier about how everything's a prophecy. We're, we're getting into that prophecy area. Yeah. So it's like, why wasn't the... Why wasn't this episode called... Religion, basically. <laughs> I guess. Well, speculate. What? Why was last ep- episode called religion? I think because they introduced the concept, and then in this one, they've established it in the last episode, so now they can play with it because we have these religious experiences, including Lane astral projecting or something, and not just in an observer capacity. She like 
projects her image onto a television screen that which could be called like, you know, a religious event or something. It's like a miracle. And this one's called distortion because we're learning that every time you put your hands on something, it has unintended effects like, Mm -hmm. you know, ripples in a pond. Okay, I I just have a speculation and I don't I don't know the answer. I was I watched these two episodes and I kept thinking about like uh, Shintoism and like the pantheon of gods, you know, like there's the god of the river, the god of that forest or that mountain. And then that tradition continued to like include modernity. Like there's the God of the train, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, 98, we're entering the digital age. Are we seeing like the birth of a new pantheon of gods? And like, is Lane going to evolve and be like the God of the digital world or whatever? Mm. And then I think what we just saw with the sister is like her mind got separated from her body and then some other shit took over her body and that's what she was seeing with her parents i think her parents are gone oh hmm. like like whatever just happened to the sister has already happened to the parents and that's like when the sister is talking mm-hmm. at the end like she's sort of more like the parents that's interesting mm. and in this folklore god thing you know it's not like western religions like it's not necessarily good or evil or like what if Lane is becoming this new god? <laughs> and like yeah. maybe she's not like good or evil or anything. Just she is. I think an interesting point to think is so in retrospect, now looking on the last episode with the TLDR element, right? It, it really feels like the point of it is like a slight introduction to knights. We get like their tomfoolery with the games, mm-hmm. right? And then B introduction to Lane's like ascension to powers, right? Like and actually having some impact on the physical world right Mm -hmm. and so religion i think religion is talking about the culture of the knights right like what could motivate them to engage in those actions like hacking children's games why are they doing these things we keep talking about the prophecy fulfilling the prophecy what is this prophecy religions have prophecies Uh right And, and an interesting thing i was thinking about at the very beginning of the episode i was holding on to this it trips me out i talked about how this show predicts all these things it almost makes me wonder, I feel like the entire show itself is a prophecy, weirdly enough, you know, of kind of like where things are going. But um, at the beginning yeah. of this episode, if you'll remember, Lane is talking to someone telekinetically who does call themselves God. Yes. We we are kind of wondering like who this anonymous group of knights are, right? And what they believe, what is this prophecy, right? We know that there's like a God of the internet and then we're talking to dolls and the dolls are like, well, a God of the internet <laughs> yeah. could exist if you define God this way. You know, I think the religion is kind of the religion of people that would believe in an internet God. Mm-hmm. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yes. You know? Yeah. I think there's sort of like a transhumanist kind of way of looking at it <sighs> too. You know, the, the mom is talking about, you know, the synapses in the brain and, you know, how ultimately, like we have this thing, it's they call it the hard problem of consciousness, which is like as much as we know mechanistically about how the brain can compute things and how like animals' brains work and stuff, it's still hard to get from that to how we get a conscious experience out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so then sort of like if we're conscious, you know, like like there is a theory, it's called panpsychism that's sort of like um, maybe a little bit like Shinto religion or something where it's like, well, maybe consciousness is the default state and like a rock is conscious in a weird way mm-hmm. and like rain is conscious in a weird way. And, uh, you know, and so then similarly, like, well, if the internet is just like 
electric signals going back and forth and all these wires that we keep seeing on the show, the way mm. like electricity is flowing around in our brain, like have we created this new conscious thing by just like connecting all these wires together? And now like, is that consciousness acting independently on its own? And as the dad is saying, in rare circumstances can actually somehow like influence the world. We're well, talking about how the other side is full too. And kind of the question of where, what happens to Mika, the sister? Like, where does she go? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So the other side is full reminds me of one, the gates of Guff opening mm-hmm. because the, the chamber of Guff is empty in Neon Genesis. And, the, and sorry, Alex, can you remind us? That's like a thing from like Kabbalah or something like that. Mm. That's like, we're going to run out of souls to put in new people or something. Huh. Yes, the, exactly. The chamber of Guff is where souls are kept before they find a body. Um, and then this other side thing is almost like the counter of that. It's like, well, that's where they come from. So they also go to a place that's not the chamber of guff and that's the other side, which reminds me of like, maybe it's night of the living dead where it's like when the other side is full, like the dead shall rise. Mm-hmm. Um, or go to the internet. Yeah. Not in physical form per se now, but like the first episode, she said Yamada, like, why was she able to send an email if it really is her? Like, what is she back from the other side? <sighs> wow, that's pretty fucking awesome. It reminds me of like San Junipero from Black Mirror. Like, it's like, what are they doing in their digital afterlife? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, the time time travel episode where they can kind of go to any era. Yeah, they're like already dead, but their consciousness is like still pardoned it up in time travel land. Interesting. Hmm. So... What's her name? Uh, uh, Lane Awakening. If this show had, if the writers were influenced by Gnosticism, then this idea of a, and this isn't just in Gnosticism. I think we've talked about this before on the show. Like there's a similar idea in um, uh, uh, Hinduism, Indra's net, that mm. all of reality is a, a conscious thing, right? Like the rock is conscious, the rain is conscious, but being human, putting up an AT field, right? is what uh, allows us to experience things outside of the universal consciousness. Um, so her her like finding these powers and being able to influence things at a distance is like her returning to or tapping into that universal God consciousness, huh. which is really just her. It's really just all of us, right? It's just a reflection of what we understand and how we understand it. That's my big thought for the episode. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, very interesting. I've got to think about that. I, I had no background in introduction to these concepts, and they're super interesting to chew on. Mm. Yeah. Um, it does feel like religion is the big theme of this one, even if it's mm-hmm. not the the title of it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so one thing, we, we get this guy handing out these Kleenexes that have this like message in them, right? And I don't know if that's, you know, the sisters freaking out and hallucinating messages. I mean... Seems like clearly she is by the time she like drinks the milk with the weird shimmer in it and then Mm -hmm. like is spilling the coffee and seeing messages and stuff. Mm. But, you know, I don't know if that guy in the street is supposed to be like if he is handing out like, you know, propaganda for a cult or something like that. Mm. The kids in the restaurant, they talk about Alice is getting this these spam emails about fulfilling the prophecy and the other kids wonder if that is like, you know, a cult's declaration of war or something. Um, and so this show is coming out a few years after the 1995 uh, sarin gas attack on the Tokyo subway yeah. by this group, um, Shinrikyo. Which is a cult, um, right? Yeah. yeah, it was kind of a cult. And I think there was this sort of like fear of cults. And, you know, mm. I think that's another thing of sort of like 
the way it feel ways it sometimes feels like modern society is like degenerating and things are getting like scary and dangerous and weird. Mm. I was looking up if they're somehow connected to the internet and I couldn't see something about that. I did see that um, the Haley's Comet Group, I guess, have has like a 1990s like oh. GeoCity style website that like is still up. But oh I guess, my god, know, really? <laughs> I, uh, I Heaven's think, Gate. Heaven's yeah. Gate, yeah. But but I do think that's the sort of thing like that and conspiracy theories, like there are some types of information that do seem to like gain a lot of popularity and stuff like that on the Internet. You know, maybe they kind of existed in these other niche ways before then, um, but they like, I don't know, became a lot more accessible kind of at the start of the Internet. And so I think that's kind of one of the things that's happening in this episode. I love all this. And so I want to like, this one's fun thing. I'll just give a hint and I want to see what you guys think about it. I'm curious what you guys think about, this is very subtle and I think you, you'd get more relevance on it in future episodes, Taro bumping into uh, Lane's sister, you know, in the That's road. the kid hacker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's totally there right before she gets the mm. newspaper. Mm. Just a little cameo appearance. Um, so you had this great, note i can't remember if this is actually from the episode or not but you had this great note in the outline ben time isn't a connection of discrete points yeah so that's something the mask i think tells to her mm. or like they're i don't know it's, it's confusing stuff but it's like time isn't just a yeah. collection of discrete points they're like connected on a line or like they are made to connect or something. I don't know. Yes, because like there's no way to think about something's history and totality. So our brains have to pick and choose what moments and what facets of those moments we're going to make into a narrative. And it's it's interesting. I was thinking about the distortion thing I, I've been struggling with that because I don't have an answer on that one. And I, what I was thinking is like, if we think about things like in a naturalism type way, we're like, you know, the real world is the best and natural God is is real and right. Right. We have like prophecies, right? In this episode, those prophecies were like acted on. And I feel like through action, the natural flow of events was disturbed, right? Like there was a distortion, right? The future was manipulated through the conscious effort of, you know, these people handing out napkins and these people attacking her sister. Yeah, I like that because there's there's prophecy, right? But the only way you're really going to know if some if a prophecy would were being fulfilled in a divine way, I feel like is for the person who fulfills it not to know about the prophecy. Yeah, and to not interfere. Because if they know, then it's not like divine inspiration anymore. Now they just have that information and they're like, well, if I get this prophecy done, people will believe in me or something. Like, you know, there's that you put your hands on the wheel and you can no longer say that you got there through, I don't know, through the prophecy. You got there through conscious yeah. action. And okay. they keep saying like prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. And it makes me like that if the origin of everything is prophecy, is that because like, you know, first there's a prophecy and then people manipulate events to make that reality. And that's what creates the future. It's not yeah. because the prophecies are going to come true, but because uh, they say God has the ability to, they, this digital God, he can influence reality, they say, <laughs> but only in the form of prophecy. Yeah. And so is that what he's doing? Is he creating prophecies and then people are going about doing things that are making those things come true? Oh, my God. So this is such something. a mind trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so w- one last thing to say about that. Um, 
there's oftentimes in religion, in a lot of religions, there's like the dwelling place of people and then there's the dwelling place of the gods, right? Uh And they can't inhabit one another. Like gods can't fully inhabit our physical realm and we cannot fully inhabit the divine realm. And so there has to be a go-between. And oftentimes that is the shaman, right? Mm -hmm. The person who is allowed to witness the prophecy or something else and bring it back into the physical world. Mm-hmm. And that's what Lane's last name means. Iwakura, it's the rock of God. Oh, I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, and, and so in that, um, Alex, to kind of riff off of that, you know, the two places, the God's place and the human place. So like in this story, then is the wired, is that the God's place? Yes. So the wired in its like pure form, just the energy without the computers interfacing Mm. with it, that's the divine realm. And the computer is the halfway point we use to access from the physical to the divine. Mm. Fascinating. And then Lane is kind of transcending that to a deeper degree than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a really weird blending of like Western and Eastern spiritual ideas here yeah there's blending of everything that's what this show is about is about blurring lines okay distorting the boundaries okay so (laughs) oh in western (laughs) traditions um prophecy comes from a prophet yeah who's our prophet yeah so lane asked that question in this episode right she's like who creates the prophecy yeah and we didn't get an answer so i think that's what she's looking into yeah She's finding all the prophecies, right, all over the internet. And Mm. I think her whole search throughout all these episodes with her, I think the only reason she's been trying to gain power at all is to try and figure out who's creating these prophecies and what all this shit means. Mm -hmm. Like, it's her curiosity about these events that's leading her down this rabbit hole, right? It's not like it's happening naturally. Hmm. Okay, so what if Lane is not going to be the god of the internet but she's like the priestess of it or something you're definitely getting on to things like this is a long show and it's super complicated but (laughs) you're you're hinting on to things that things where i didn't think that there were even points that were dropped that kind of led to that yet so i'm very i'm very like not only impressed with your guys ability to analyze this but i think it's super Mm. interesting i think it'll get more obvious as the show goes on for sure Mm. So something we've also sort of discussed in previous episodes is more like um, that might be worth talking about with these ones is more the sort of like mental illness or like, mm. you know, MK Ultra is, you know, something going on. We talked maybe like this weird stuff seems to happen in Siberia specifically, mm-hmm. but then, you know, like, so say this episode, this weird stuff happens with the sister was like right after she like drank this weird or like looked into this weird glass of milk. Like that's the last thing she can remember is a smell. Right. I wondered about that. Yeah. So did, did she just get drugged or something or like when she bumped into that kid? Yeah. Did he, when he spilled that thing on her, was that some sort of drug or something like oh my god well lsd is one of the only things that you can absorb through your skin and it'll have that bad of an effect and, and something that you made me think of that i didn't realize because I, I hadn't thought about it i only brought up taro right is that why did she need a napkin oh right because the kid if she hadn't spilled coffee if he hadn't spilled coffee on her she'd have no need <gasps> to accept a napkin from a stranger uh-huh. i don't know where i got this from there was some technique of like poisoning or drugging somebody in a way that the different components of the chemical compound had like different sources so that no one swab or whatever would be able to detect the source. I don't know if a show like this will go that deep, but. Well, I I also think that they they haven't really got into it, but the knights 
you know, Lane has been shown to have certain abilities based on her like technological proficiency, right? And I think the knights are probably the most technologically proficient people in this universe aside from her. Hmm. Okay. And like, where has she been learning how to do these things? And if someone's yeah. teaching her how to do those things, do they know how to do these things? And what are they doing those things for? Yeah. Hmm. This show's real good. <laughs> it is. It is. I will say what I was looking at the um, Shinkuros, um, Shinrikyo stuff, that like cult that had this big, you know, terrorist attack in 1995. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out if they had a connection to like internet culture stuff, uh, but they were an LSD cult. <laughs> oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. It's sort of like a little bit like Manson family kind of situation or something. I think a lot bigger than the Manson family. That was like a small group of people. And this was more, maybe more like wild, wild country. Like they were trying to like infiltrate the government and do all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. And I think even if it's not literal, I think it definitely could take strong inspiration from it. Right. Like it could just be like, well, what if this terrifying cult concept was on the internet? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's very interesting. I hadn't thought about the, like these things that you're bringing up, but it's very interesting. And I can definitely see a very strong tie in like with just the fear of cults in general, because yeah. it is like an internet cult. Do you, and, and before I feel like we're debating, you know, like, do we think Lane is just going crazy? Like, is that hypothesis still there or? I can't spoil mm. anything. I'm so, oh. <laughs> For me, it's out the window. There's too yeah. many things that have happened that other people are a part of and have observed. Yeah, yeah. Alice and the sister dissuaded me of that idea. Yes. I mean, the sister's pretty crazy now, too. I don't know. Uh, yeah, she's got her own crazy coming up. Jeez. Gosh. I'm glad she got to sleep with a boy one last time before she got replaced. Yeah, all right. She at least <laughs> got something. This was a mind trip episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of those philosophies, that's like, as you guys are breaking them down, I think that's like going to be the real food of the episode. It's just so hard because there's like so many different really dense philosophies presented. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is more just like a stoner thought, but uh, if you think about this like metaphor of like, you know, the internet being like a giant brain, right? So we have like a brain <laughs> and a body, okay, okay. right? I, I think I hear where he's going with this. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so, so our brain controls our body in a way that then that like feeds back into our brain, right? And so we can use our body to kind of move around through the world and like do all of these things. But ultimately all that is just leading to more information going back into our brain. And so this yes. is kind of like, if the internet is like a giant brain, then sort of like, what is the the internet's body, right? Or like, how is it influencing us to like influence it back? I don't know. And I, I don't know what this means. I think you guys are a bit smarter. Hopefully you guys can help me um, unpack this. Like, how do I put this? I, I see this message of like, okay, so they're saying that our brains are like a series of electrical impulses that cause us to perceive reality. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also a bunch of wires sending electrical impulses around, right? And as people mm-hmm. are getting connected, we're like neurons that are getting connected. I was just going to yeah. say that. Yeah. <laughs> so what does that mean? What does it mean if we're individual neurons getting connected by wires that are transmitting electrical signals to one another that we're some kind of mirror of a brain? What does that mean? Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. It's another one that's sort of like philosophy of mind things, right? So it's like, I mean, we feel conscious, but again, like, is it, are our individual neurons conscious or, um, you know, this could be fun. It's kind of neither here or there, but there's this thing, it's called like the... It's like a thought experiment. It's like the Chinese room or something like that. Mm. So it's like you could imagine like you're in this room and someone is passing you like English text and you have this like big set of rules 
that lets you translate like every character into its equivalent Chinese character and then like pass it back out of the room, right? And you could imagine something where it's like, so say you don't know Spanish or Chinese, but you just have this like translator. So you translate Spanish words into Chinese, but it's like, therefore, do you know Chinese just because like you're doing these things or like, is it possible to like do this thing without like you yourself being like aware oh, of it at all right like, so, like being a vessel for the language without understanding the language mm -hmm. yeah i guess and so like is that kind of what our neurons are there are these things that don't really understand but that just do a set of rules that ultimately mm. leads to something that we understand mm. or you know i guess in the case of this like is the internet doing stuff that like we can't comprehend but we're like doing stuff for like the the internet's end goals or whatever. And I might be tripping here, but this is what this is making me all think of, right? We have this theoretical brain of, you know, us as people that are getting connected by wires that are said that we're neurons, the wires are electrical signals, right? And then we got mm -hmm. the theoretical brain, right? Mm -hmm. Someone brought up earlier the idea of like, oh, is it conscious and is it thinking on its own? Very interesting idea, right? But I don't think is what the authors are trying to get at, right? What, we're, uh -huh. what we talk about is then God a lot, right? And then, no. so they say that like, okay, well, you can think of the internet as like an upper layer to reality, right? So that's that brain. That brain is that upper layer of reality, right? So maybe yeah. the whole point of it all is just that the God of the internet would be the person who is above that, who through creating prophecy influences that neural network, mm. like through disseminating ideas through the neural network, through creating prophecies. Like the user or the programmer? It's it's whoever, yeah. In this case, it would be whoever is calling themselves God, or uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. whatever, or whoever is leading the knights or whatever. I think in real life there would be multiple, right? Okay. Not just a singular person. But I think maybe the concept of if there was a person who could control that, like, would they be mm. God? Literally, mm. I think the point is, even if God metaphysically didn't exist, would God mm. now exist? <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like, like, like if you had the power to control these people through the internet, would you essentially be godlike or something? Yeah, like <laughs> is that possible? Like, will there be a god? That's the pretty like the god of the internet. Mm. <laughs> and we start to see our first uh, uh, similarities to instrumentality too, like this mm. a higher consciousness that may take over someday. That's interesting. Yeah. To think about, like, for maybe people who didn't listen to Evangelion's system, this is maybe a little spoilers, but not even really that much of spoilers. <laughs> but this kind of idea of like all of human consciousness uniting into one giant consciousness and all of humanity working towards one goal, like maybe Evangelion puts that as a hypothetical. And then Lane is sort of like, well, what if that's what the internet is? That's what we're mm. doing by creating this web that, like, connects all of us yeah. mm. um, or you know we're still a little bit on the fence whether it is really connecting us or whether it is further separating us but... so good okay so good what if consciousness is like just a form of community you know i was thinking about all the neurons and shit yeah. god this show raises so many interesting questions i think they they, they said something about that something about consciousness yeah. we only know about consciousness because we're connected to each other which is mm. community. What, what does mm. that mean? Mm. I don't know what it means. <laughs> what you're saying. Like, <laughs> to be continued. Yeah. So when, when we get done with this, we'll have to do a, a post-mortem on acid or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
Faye, Chris, Queer Junk, it's been a pleasure having you on. Oh Absolutely. My Thank you so much. Yeah, this is awesome. So if people can't get enough of you, which how could they not, uh, where can they find your stuff on the internet? My username Queer Junk is on pretty much every social media platform humanly available. I'd say the two that I'm the most active on are uh, YouTube and Twitch. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to see me live stream on, on Twitch almost every single day for eight hours or more. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. I'm on all of them. Queer junk. <laughs> I'd really appreciate it. And then if uh, if the audience is enjoying Serial Experiments Lane, do you have any recommendations for a follow-up to it or like a complimentary series or movie that might go along with it? Right off the bat, one thing that I'm surprised more people haven't seen, although I usually tie it in with Death Note, is Psychopaths. <gasps> oh my God, you've seen Psychopaths. Jeez. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, Makishima Shogun. Yes, is, uh, holy shit. First person I've ever met that seen, has seen Psychopaths. I was thinking like- about that when we were watching this fucking episode too. And if you want to geek out really hard on Lane and just see more that's made by the animator. So this this animator and the writer were like a combo team that have been working together for a long time. They were going to make a new Lane spiritual successor called Despera, mm. but Yoshito Abe died, unfortunately. Um, but they've made more series together. There's one called Haibane Renmei, which is like, it's like about angels, but it's the same animator and the same writer. And it's also very complicated, but I... I I don't understand it. Is, is that the like, one with the, with the kids and it's like sepia tone yes. and they have the, oh my God. The halos. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Visually, it's yeah. gorgeous. I can't understand what's happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the concept art is amazing. So less, less comprehensible than Lane. <laughs> exactly. No, it's, 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 it's also very religious, but I just have no idea what's going on there. Yeah, so psychopaths. Hi, Bidet Renmei for Lane fans. Two great recommendations. Okay. Cool. All right, Alexis, okay. take it away. Thank you. Pen. Pen. Pals. Fulfill the, the prophecy. prophecy. <laughs> we'll fix oh, it in post. I love it. <laughs>